I'm Jordan. And I'm Donnie. And this is a podcast about the stuff in our New York City apartment. How we find it. Where we put it. And why we're into it. Welcome to Apartment 26. Jordan, why haven't we been talking about the core? <laughs> wow, that was a good opening. That was very seamless. Thanks. Yeah, I think when I was thinking about this week's episode, I was thinking we've been doing a lot of lifestyle stuff, it seems. Mm-hmm. And I guess we just did that episode about sourcing art, but it wasn't so much about like something we had done recently and decor choices we had made recently. It was mostly just like, oh, by the way, this is where all our stuff came from. Mm-hmm. True. It feels kind of weird. I consume a lot of content in this space, and it feels like just like that, yeah, yeah. but with my brain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> your brain absorbing it. <laughs> um, and I feel like uh, people are always getting new stuff. You know, a lot of people I follow are gifted stuff, mm. or they're trying to build their brand, and so they're buying a lot of stuff and sharing recs with their followers and stuff like that. And that's cool, but that's just kind of not where we're at right now in our decor situation. (laughs) Yeah, though, if you want to send us things, I'll review it at Donnie's Decor Corner. (laughs) Do you feel that way, though? Because I feel like we wouldn't want people to be sending us a bunch of stuff necessarily based on... No, I'm kidding. I'd be probably overwhelmed if people started sending us stuff. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, we'd have a lot of boxes and a lot of stuff and... Nowhere to put it. Yeah, it'd be probably too much. And I think that's why we haven't been accumulating stuff recently. You know, like we kind of reached the point, as we were talking about last episode or a couple episodes ago, where like we have the stuff that we need to make our lives function, kind of, and everything is kind of full Mm -hmm. now. And even like our gallery walls we put together to use the art we have and we had to fill in with some extra pieces you know like the art you got me from austin kind of went into an existing gallery wall Mm -hmm. but we don't really look around and say like oh we need xyz and we need to buy it now right we also just got the towels that was the last thing we bought which we talked about in the last episode from helen milan yeah um But even that was kind of like, it wasn't like a decor choice necessarily. That was kind of something we needed that we found the nicest looking option for, I would say. Yeah, I guess though not not decor because those are hanging off our stove. That's true. It's in like some subtle way they impact the kitchen, but not in a way I think when people think of decor, like a big eye-catching piece, you know, they're sort of just there. And in terms of the kitchen space especially, that's... As people who rent at the space, we have pretty little control over. It's true. None of the big appliances in there are ours. The cabinets, I guess feasibly, I don't think we could do anything, actually. Like, we can't paint no. them or change them. It's, it's interesting thinking about it from a renting perspective, that really the kitchen, even though it's a space we use a lot for cooking, we really have very little control over the design of it beyond the walls and the towels we use and the art we hang the rest of it is sort of just the landlord's choices i mean it's kind of like the bathroom too those are the like two spaces where 
there are a lot of permanent choices made by someone who isn't you. And then... It's true. I guess it'd be a little bit differently about the bathroom. Maybe just because the shower curtain is such a big part mm. of it, you know? Where yeah. there's nothing like that big in your face that's our choice. Like, there is uh, the shower curtain. Yeah. But that's so, a good point, too. All the appliances there. Yeah, the tile and, like, the cabinet and stuff. Mm, yeah. True. Point being, we haven't come at you with any tips in a while, <laughs> I feel. You know, like, there are no... DIYs, there are no like, this is what you should do, XYZ. No, Donnie's decor corner. No. <laughs> um, Hashtag. And so I felt like we should address that rather than just doing another lifestyle thing, because this is a little bit of a lifestyle podcast, but I'm afraid to make it too much of a lifestyle <laughs> podcast, I guess. Yeah, fair. Um, one thing we did do recently, which I can post pics of in the show notes, I also felt like there weren't a lot of pics in the show notes recently, and that was making me kind of sad that, like, I don't know, I felt pretty lazy in the show notes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, we rearranged the bookshelf. Yeah. I think that's a nice refresh every so often, you know, to come up with, like, a different method of organization. And I know there's a lot of, like, drama and debate around bookshelves (laughs) in the decor space. Like, you know how it's really trendy now to um, turn all of the books around so that the spines are, like, facing in and you can only see, like, the pages of the books. I have not heard this. Really? I'm not a fan of this. Oh, yeah. It's a way that a lot of stylists do it in order to, like, make the bookshelf look more neutral. Well. So that it's full of things, but it's, like, those things are not distracting you from the decor of the room because it's just, like, the texture and color of paper. That really unsettles me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's not really the tactic we took. This time we did a, um, a rainbow spine situation. Which, actually, I'm liking more than I thought. But we've done various methods of organization throughout our time here. Yeah, we've gotten pretty fancy. We've done, like, by category, then alphabetical, like, library style. Yeah. We've done the rainbow spines once before. Um, What else? We've just done straight up alphabetical, regardless of category. Um, Yeah, I always forever had had it alphabetical by author, regardless of category. And then... I think when we combined our books, I started doing the category thing. Yeah. I would say those are kind of the easiest way to, ways to find books. And this is more of an aesthetic choice that we have made. Yeah. Just I'm, for funsies. I mean, we don't have a serious, like, we don't have like a library, personal library size of books, you know? Yeah, that's true. So it makes, like, it's super easy to find stuff on the shelf. Especially we've had these books for so long that... I think I know the colors of all the books, you know? Yeah, like, that's true. Like, in my ICD, like, I'm looking right now at the Asimov trilogy, and just, like, I've had that book for so long that I know that it's, like, a black space cover, you know? Yeah. And it's like, oh, like, I'm going to go there. Um, yeah, I like it. It's nice switched up. I think every, I think about twice a year, we usually we switched up. We do, like, a spring clean and then, like, a, really, like, a fall before it gets too cold and we give up clean yeah <laughs> and usually at those points is when we're like oh let's do something new with the bookshelf and it's kind of nice to freshen it up in that way yeah and i think it's a big like a physically large piece in our living room so it kind of shifts the the look of it 
I'm really pleased with the rainbow this time, actually. I'm, like, impressed with myself. I don't know why. I don't know <laughs> that it was, like, better or worse last time we did it, but for some reason, it's, like, striking to me this time. So I can put a picture of it in the show notes and feel like we gave people a tip right here. So <laughs> if you are feeling particularly bland about your bookshelf, you can try a different method of organizing it, um, whether that's, you know, doing an alphabetical by author in order to find things easier or doing a rainbow thing just for fun or flipping all your books around if you want to neutralize it and really like live on the edge (laughs) turn all the spines upside down (laughs) who knows yeah something um that i heard once on a podcast that i really respect um was that you should throw all of your dust jackets away so that you can see like the nice cloth binding and often um metallic stamping underneath And that is, like, a more neutralizing look as well, that you're not getting the, like, big, flashy marketing cover, that you're getting just the binding. I like that. I've done that with all my, uh, like, my... So we have that second bookshelf, which is kind of my working reference library. And all those books that had dust jackets are old. I did that. Like, that John Donne cover I took, and then I made the found poem with that book cover. Um, And that Shakespeare collection cover is just the leather with a metallic stamp like just because they were just getting like old and ratty and it was just time to recycle them they like weren't really conducive every time i pick up the book to reference it it would really basically just slip right off because it was kind of holy and i was i'd seem pointless to keep it on i actually really kind of like it especially um that john don my uncle gave me a complete John Donne. So it's all his poetry, all his sermons. It's like more John Donne than anyone really needs <laughs> in their lifetime. Uh, but I have it because it's a good reference for like formalist text. And when I'm like messing around in that world, it's like a, a good thing to have to reference and pull out. Anyway, point being, um, I think it looks much better without it. The the what do they call them? Dust covers? Dust jackets. Dust jackets. <laughs> Dust covers. Um, I mean, it was fine. It was like. A 60s, 70s, like green and yellow checkerboard pattern, you know, it was kind of weird. Um, but then it's just like a nice, kind of dull crimson leather. Leather? Are they leather covers or what are they? They're Usually not. they're cloth. Cloth, yeah, it makes more sense. A nice, like dark crimson cloth cover that I think is really more becoming of like a book of that gravitas in terms of like formal English language poetry, you know? It's like a nicer thing to have, especially for like a reference library aesthetic. I think it looks nicer. Hashtag Donnie's Core Corner. (laughs) (laughs) I don't feel any way about it. I think that's definitely a valid argument. And that if that's the aesthetic you're going for, of more of the like formal library or study look, that that's definitely a thing you can do. As a person who works in books, I know the people who design dust jackets and I know that the dust jacket is designed to do a specific thing. But I also acknowledge that once you pay your money for the book, no one really cares what you do with the dust jacket after that. Yeah, I mean, this dust jacket had probably been on there for about <laughs> 40, if not 50 years. Yeah. So, like, it had done its thing. And I don't know, I think that especially in our, um, like, rainbow aesthetic, there are some nice dust jackets, like, doing their work in here. Like, I think 2666 is a very stunning jacket that was yeah designed really well and so it's fun to have it on there but like we definitely have unjacketed books up there and that's also fun yeah so yeah that was that was a pretty pro tip right there boom number of them (laughs) 
But the reason that we haven't been talking about decor a ton and we haven't been adding a bunch of decor is that we've really been trying to practice this patience thing that we've been talking about across all aspects of our life, but specifically in our decor now that we have the stuff that we need. Um, we do have some things on the list that we're trying to get, mm-hmm. like the bedroom mirror. Mm-hmm. We're looking for like a very large mirror giant so that maybe we could like see one's whole outfit at one time (laughs) yeah which would be cool (laughs) um but that's a pretty sizable investment and i one of my things this year is trying to like not buy anything decor wise new Mm. and so that's been both kind of like a financial task for us to like find a used one, but also a like lifestyle choice that we've made. Mm-hmm. So that's been a little hard. Those things don't pop up very often and they don't pop up in good condition very often. We've really been scouring. Yeah, I slept on one pretty hard. It's bad news. <laughs> yeah, Donnie thought that he was going to find something on Ab Deco and then buy it a week later, but it was too good and someone else bought it. In my defense, it was three days later and I was running workshops at a poetry festival. So there's a lot happening. I was like, oh, I'll worry about this when I get back to New York. And then it was gone by the time I was back home. Yeah, I knew that would be your thought process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've been kind of looking for that. And we want to find like a good one and one that we really like because it's a big piece and it's going to make a big statement. And we don't want to just kind of buy one that works for the purpose now because fundamentally we've been living our lives for years without a full length mirror and we will probably continue on perfectly fine without it. Severe. Yeah. But probably much like the headboard, we can do like a whole like saga story when huh. we finally find the mirror. Yeah, it's probably true. Give me a whole episode into itself. We also have a few things. Unto li- itself? Unto itself. Unto itself. Mm. Yeah. That makes more sense. Anyway. We also have a few things lined up that we like have. I've got the kitchen stool. We're also looking for a kitchen stool. Yeah, I have. So I have a whole note in my phone about stuff that, like, if we oh, find it, I can buy. Right we can talk about it. Yeah, like the kitchen stool is on there because I really hate just like standing around while Donnie is making dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm always like, oh, wouldn't it be sweet if there were just like a stool I could like sit on and also like cut this carrot or like whatever, <laughs> you know, like wash some dishes, but like also sitting on a stool. Um, but we would we need like a folding stool so that it can get tucked behind the recycling bin while we're not using it and out of the way. You know, we can't just like there's no room for seating in the kitchen. No. So we have to find a folding stool that's pretty cool. Um, I have a series of like baskets on that list mm-hmm. because as we were discussing in the patients episode, there are all of these cool vintage baskets all of the time. Like I'm specifically thinking about metal and wire ones, but there are also a bunch of rattan baskets mm-hmm. and like reed baskets and stuff like that, that we're always seeing at flea markets mm-hmm. and we always pass them up. Cause we're like, what are we going to do with this? But then we have plastic baskets everywhere, like holding our shit. And so at some point, I'd like to swap those out with nice, pretty vintage baskets. And that's on the list. I want a toolbox. I want like a nice vintage toolbox to like replace the one that I have currently. Mm-hmm. So there's all this stuff on the list, um, but we're kind of trying to come upon it organically, I would say. Yeah. Rather than 
like seeking it out and forcing it. And... It's about the journey. <laughs> it's a little bit about the journey, yeah. <laughs> but the good news is that upcoming we have like some potential options during which we slash journeys slash journeys that we're going to take yeah um the grand bazaar which we've talked about before is um an upper west side flea market that actually happens every weekend because it's indoor outdoor so i think it's like all year round on sundays but in may they're having their furniture and decor specific flea market that i'm going to be going to because Donnie is going to be walking the perimeter of Manhattan for reasons unknown. Yeah, um, for the third time. <laughs> wow, you're so cool. Yeah, <laughs> pretty cool. Anyway. Um, so yeah, that is going to be a really good opportunity to maybe find a mirror. Definitely probably to find some baskets, hopefully to find a toolbox and just really like go big there. So hopefully we can do a big roundup after that happens of what that experience is like. Um, we've had good luck at that flea market and seen like really good stuff. So I'm hoping that at the furniture specific one, people are going to really bring their A game. Mm-hmm. Especially the weather's nice. Yeah. We've gone there a few times in the winter and it's been pretty dull because people just like don't really want to show up. And for good reason, the attendance is so much lower that if you are a vendor, there's like no reason to really bring your A game. Like you said, you bring some stuff, but like. You know, just selling to whoever rolls in. Some people are holding it down outside those. So, like, props to them, the people who kept their outdoor vendor license through the New York winter to sell, like, random shit to people. There are a lot of people there who shop estate sales and resell stuff, so you can get, like, some crazy deals. Yeah. Um, our, like, fish bottle opener is from there and was, uh-huh. like, two bucks or something. It's a really cool piece. Yeah. to have gotten but yeah that that one time we went there it was like insufferable outside and people were really holding it down uh, which i respect but it's not like the environment i want to shop for large pieces of furniture so i'm hoping that there's going to be like big buzz around this may event yeah i bet there will be i hope there will be there's always some regulars there's like so i we've described it before right it's in a school and the money goes to like help fund the school i guess i don't really understand Anyway, um, well, it's like interesting. I don't understand really the school's involvement totally. It seems like maybe they rent the space. It's hard to know. Like the school definitely isn't in charge. There's like no AP, like assistant principal is hanging out there. So I don't know if they just rent the space and then the vendors pay money to the school and the school pockets it and then... I would imagine the Grand Bazaar rents the space and the vendors pay money to Grand Bazaar and it's just all of the space rental that goes to the public schools. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it specifically funds that one school. I or think if it it's does like specifically a full... fund that one. Yeah. Is my understanding. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, but there's always those regulars right along the wall, including that dude who always sells like coffee and hot dogs. There's oh, one... yeah, the, guy, the snack guy. Yeah, this one snack <laughs> guy who I'm convinced is like, Probably just like an old history teacher at this school or some <laughs> shit. And he just sells like usually something sweet, like pretty easily made cookies. Like not even like homemade, like probably just some fucking Pillsbury packet cookies. Like I'm not trying to talk I shit. I don't know. Those cookies looked real good the last time we were there. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm going to get some while you're not there. You should. Let me know. We'll report back. And then like coffee and then like hot dogs. And then he just yeah. sells like three things. They're all like a dollar. <laughs> And he's just like doing the most. He's the he hero. holds it down though. He's like there every time. Every time without yeah. fail. 
Then there's also those like rug sellers. The that whole back wall is like pretty regular. I haven't seen them miss one. Yeah, that um those vintage rug stalls really make me want to get into vintage drugs and if I do we'll do a podcast about it. I'm a little scared still. It seems like a level up from what I'm capable of. But those flea markets always have like so many rugs. It feels like you could just really easily access that sort of thing. Yeah. It feels like a pretty cutthroat world. That's true. There's like a lot of haggling that I would imagine goes on in that yeah. situation. We'll see. Hmm. But yeah, that's something that we're looking forward to. And I think like we're a little paused on our buying right now because we know that that's coming up and that that's a really good opportunity for us to get some of the stuff we like that like is really specific and individual. Yeah. And so we don't want to like pull the trigger on a West Elm mirror if we're going to get an awesome vintage mirror for the same price. You that's know? right. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> so it's going to be my mind. <laughs> That was a really fucking good price on a West Elm mirror, though. <laughs> anyway, we're also planning a trip to Elephant's Trunk. Wow, I like really misspelled that in the notes there. Did you see that? Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. In August, maybe. Boom! Yeah, a long time from now, kind of. But... It's going to be a cool summer trip. Elephant's Trunk is like a huge flea market in it's the Connecticut. It's biggest in New England. Is that what it is, really? Yeah, it's, it's claimed to fame. Wow, that's the pretty... flea market in New England. And it's been like continuously run since the 70s, their website says. Yeah. So that's pretty serious. I hope that we find like a bunch of vendors who've been there every year since oh, the man. 70s. You know, that would be fantastic. Yeah, they probably have like L.L. Bean's footers. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be quite the sojourn into Connecticut. It's going to be some deep New England shit, let me tell you. (laughs) But it's the kind of place where, like, you can pay $20 to get in at 4.45 and, like, really do the thing. Or you can roll up at 7 a.m. and pay $2, and that's what we're going to do. But Mm -hmm. anything that's left on our list, I think, is going to be something we can find there because it's massive. Yeah, it's going to be cool. Yeah. It's going to be curious i mean i think it's gonna be like a festival and it, they're like probably more aptly a state fair and mm-hmm. a flea market yeah on their website one of the like big banner photos is a like watermelon one dollar sign <laughs> um and i love watermelon so i'm pretty stoked for like snacks they talk about like the donuts they sell there <laughs> apparently like v fragrant <laughs> yeah it'll be party it'll um, be good yeah i think it's cool. gonna be like really hype but it's gonna be cool and I think something that I have beef with about New York is that people actually know how much their trash is worth and they like sell trash for like a lot of money. And I'm hoping that leaving New York City will get us some deals. Yeah, I bet. Because we're really not like on the hunt for antiques per se. We're not looking no. to like invest or to like flip and make money. We're just there for like cool looking, interesting things. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say the antique market like bores me on the whole. Yeah. And I, like, I'm kind of imagining it, I guess, like, a East Coast Rose Bowl flea market, mm. which is, like, on on the scale of a football stadium, you know? Yeah, I think it'll be like that, perhaps. But, like, more East Coast. Yeah. For sure. More like New England redneck. Yeah. It'll be a thing. I'm excited for it. It'll be good. It'll be fun. But that is another reason that we're kind of, like not actively pursuing buying a bunch of stuff right now because we know that we have that trip coming up and we want to not be like 
oh, we shouldn't buy this because we already have one, you know? Yeah, yeah, it'd be kind of boring to go there without anything to buy. I mean, it wouldn't be boring, but it would be like, then we would be like, oh, do we really need this? But if we have a list in mind, it'll be like, oh, we have, like, things to purchase, so let's yeah. make the most of this. And I think it'll be a different mentality to go there with that. So, yeah, we didn't want to alienate our base by, like... <laughs> Not talking about decor, but our decor is a little bit on hold right now, which is why we're exploring more of the lifestyle stuff and kind of like analyzing how we live in our space, I guess. Mm, wow, that's pretty good. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking around to see. We don't really have any other decor updates at the bookshelf. Along with the bookshelf, we stacked our coffee table books. Well, that's because one of the bookends is... Like, one bookend is on the list. Ah, yes, that's right. That's part of the list. So if I find, like, a V-cool vintage bookend, we're going to stand the coffee table books back up. But <laughs> be exciting. <laughs> but we kind of have, like, a bad track record with bookends where they, like, fly off the shelves. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't want to risk the one bookend we had by stacking all of those books against it without a counter right weight, you know? Yeah. yeah, that's true. Well, two, or in its defense, one of the bookends we were using before was an empty vase that flew off. Right, but it was holding chapbooks, which are literally just pieces of printer paper, like, <laughs> folded and stapled together. True, true. No one could have predicted what happened with that guy. Yeah, then the other guy. Well, I feel like he always was almost falling. I would walk by and just kind of like push him back in a little bit every now and again. <laughs> oh, yeah. I never touched him. I thought that that was a completely spontaneous event, but maybe. No, that was uh, me making sure it didn't fall. Well, now the truth is out on the podcast. He slacked on that one, I guess, then, because that guy took a dive. Yeah, that guy did take a dive. I can, can save him all the time. <laughs> Yeah, we have kind of bad luck with bookends, so I'm looking for something very sturdy. Yeah. And yeah, I will say, a lot of the like vintage quote-unquote bookends you come across don't look particularly sturdy. Maybe it's something about, like, maybe we just have heavier books. I guess it's not true. <laughs> Our books are too heavy. Yeah. Or, or there's something to be said for that, like, having two equal weights on each end. I think also it's a center of gravity thing. Like that bookend is particularly low and made for like a standard size book. And the books we were using it for are coffee table books. So they're uh, pretty tall. And so it's like not coming halfway up the book, you know? That makes sense. But like even some of the funny ones that I pointed out ironically, like the that one was there's this like eagle catching a salmon. Yeah. In Grand Bazaar. And I pointed out just more to be fun. I'm like not that patriotic, you know? Uh, but I think that would just flop over. I don't think that would be particularly sturdy. Yeah, there's kind of like a a design of vintage bookends. It's like the L shape, so like part of it goes under the book and part of it comes up. Yeah. But those don't seem particularly heavy. They're more just kind of like keeping stuff in place more than like counterbalancing something. So yeah, tricky. I think that's gonna it's be a challenge. It's gonna be the. the tr- I don't know. Yeah, I'll, I'll say it. It might be the trickiest find we have. Mall. I will go out on a limb and say also that a lot of the vintage bookends I've seen have been low-key racist for, like, reasons unknown. Yeah, pretty true. Like, not... It's not necessary. No one <laughs> needs that. <laughs> and, like... Uh, so, it's a kind of a fraught 
category of vintage of just like <laughs> trying to find a bookend that's not offensive and also holds up your books, <laughs> um, which shouldn't be a problem, but is. Yeah. So, um, decolonizing more... your bookshelf starts with your bookends. <laughs> more to come on that for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for listening to this episode of Apartment 26. For more info on the stuff we talk about on this episode, check out the show notes linked below. And follow us on Instagram at apt26podcast. See you next time.